And welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Zach Newfeld and Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the training season and the racing season well underway, don't get left behind. Maximize your time with personalized and effective sessions and a guide to help you along the way. TriJoy can help. Whether your goal is to lose weight, run a marathon, finish a fondo, or tackle a triathlon, it's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the TriJoy link on the FitSpeak page and take your first step to the finish line. We're also brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Shimano. Once again, the Wenting's Word of the Week is Shimano. Mention the word to the staff the next time you are at Wenting's and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. One more time, the Wenting's Word of the Week, Shimano. On the program today, an interview with Matt Campbell from United Velo out of Langley. He's going to be telling us about the cycling deal of the year. Zach Newfeld is back with Between the Ears. Kevin Watt is on deck with social media shout-outs. But first, a look at some of the races that have been going on in the area. Race season is certainly here, and we've got the cream of the crops, with some of the action going on in the valley and beyond. This time we're starting off with the third annual Westwood Lake Triathlon out in Nanaimo. Now, even though it's on the island, a big chunk of the field was from Chilliwack, Mission, and Abbotsford. The Abbotsford Triathlon Club allegedly had one quarter of the field and one third of the podium. Okay, maybe those numbers are a bit high, but they were very well represented, including the top of the female podium for the standard or Olympic distance race, whatever you want to call it. Angela Froze won it in 2 hours and 38 minutes. Men's winner, Fitzbeak 35 guest, Jeff Simons, in 2 hours and 4 minutes. That's 6 minutes ahead of Robert Johnson. On the sprint side, that was a 750-meter swim, a 120-kilometer bike, that's 20 kilometers, not 120 kilometers, and about a 6-kilometer run. The overall winner was Joel Lutz. Joel schooled the rest of the field in 1 hour and 10 minutes. That was about 10 minutes faster than Fitzbeak's Zach Newfeld, who claimed 4th, and he nailed 1st in his age group. Zach did it in 118, which was 3 minutes ahead of overall female winner Samantha Hoft. In Abbotsford, in what's become the biggest running event in the Fraser Valley, we had the Envision Run for Water. Race director there, Peg Peters, a Fitzbeak guest from a couple of months back. Our half marathon overall winner was Vancouver's Chris Voth in 1 hour, 17 minutes. The number one female in the half marathon, Jen Moreau's 1 hour and 21 minutes. Looks like they had a lot of talent in the 10K as well. About a dozen folks cracking the sub 40 minute barrier. I see the unstoppable Russ Esau showed up, nailed third overall in 35 minutes. Not bad for an old guy. Okay, well, late 40s? But it was the youthful Joel Del Schiffert, who's the fast of, fastest of all, rather, going 32 minutes for the 10K crown. Women's top time, 38 minutes, and that was Alma McMurtry. Finally, the 5K, and that was won in a time of 16 minutes. It was 30-something runner Mark Klassen. Mark had to battle back a pack of under-15-year-olds who claimed most of the top 10. 
the female 5K winner in the run for water was 12 years old, Emily DeGager, in just under 20 minutes. Sounds like the Fitzbig Research Department will have to get to work on the goods on this up-and-comer. And capping off your race results, the annual Vista Run was held on Sunday the 27th, and the overall 10K winner out in Maple Ridge was Jason Young in 45 minutes. The female winner was Maria King in 52 minutes. On the 5K side, your winner, Ron Antolak, and the female winner was Agnita Eichenboom. And that's your Fitspeak 36 race results. I'm Zach Newfeld, and this is Between the Ears. Jones, Hanton, and Conton published a study in The Sports Psychologist called A Framework of Mental Toughness in the World's Best Performers. They investigated the definition of mental toughness and its dimensions. The researchers sampled athletes who made their ultimate sports career achievements, including eight Olympic and world champions, three coaches, and four sports psychologists. After conducting research, they formulated a definition of mental toughness. It's having the natural or developed psychological edge that enables you to generally cope better than your opponents with the demands that sports places on a performer while being more consistent, better than your opponents in remaining determined, focused, confident, and in control under pressure. In this segment of Between the Ears, I'm talking about another dimension of mental toughness. It's called controlling the environment. In training, controlling the environment is about remaining in control and not being controlled. The study found that participants had a strong sense of independence in training, doing what they called their work and not relying on coaches or others to do their work for them. Even though coaches motivate us, the athlete is in charge. One athlete said, those last few steps you take alone. Another way performers controlled their environment in training is by using all aspects of a very difficult training environment to their advantage. They weren't swayed by factors in training they couldn't control. They used negative factors as challenges to be overcome using these challenges to enhance their performance. This means being able to handle any environment and use it to your advantage. For example, at a training camp, there might be a personality clash with other athletes or coaches. A performer could see this as an opportunity to think from another perspective and gain some insight he or she would have gotten from someone else who thinks exactly like them. An adverse situation could tell you something or be fuel for the fire of motivation. In competition, controlling the environment means using all aspects of a very difficult competition environment to your advantage. Participants in the study said that they recognize aspects of environment that are not ideal, like weather, food, accommodations, etc. They accept that some situations can be out of their control. They see this unchangeable, very difficult, competitive environment as a different kind of environment, the unchangeable environment that must be worked with. In other words, they know to get on with the job. As one participant in the study said, conditions in other performers don't have the power to affect them negatively. In this way, they're able to handle any situation that's thrown at them. Like a duck, the water rolls off. They go with the flow while helping direct the flow. Another aspect of controlling the environment in competition was holding it together and being consistent. 
without isolating yourself. It meant involving coaches, teammates, and management. Study participants said you can control the environment by coping with conditions you didn't wish for. It's an internal control. There are many more attributes of mental toughness to cover, but overall, mental toughness is a natural or developed psychological edge that enables you to cope better than your opponents with many demands. We just discussed a study that involves coaches, sports psychologists, world champions, and Olympians. It revealed that focus is an attribute of mental toughness. When it comes to mental toughness, controlling the environment is all about controlling your relationship to your situation. Mentally tough athletes shape their situations, do their own work, turn tragedies into challenges, accept what's out of their control, get on with the job in situations they didn't want, and involve others in their performance, while at the same time understanding that in the end it's just them facing the world, alone with their own two feet. Thanks for listening. I'm Zach Newfeld, taking you between the ears. Hey gang, I'm Kevin Watt with your Instagram shoutouts. It's our way of acknowledging and thanking the folks who are out there in our community doing great things. So first off, a big shoutout goes to AppBevTech and B3 Fitness for crushing their goals at the Ironman Santa Rosa May 12th. And secondly, we'd like to acknowledge our very own Zach Newfeld for crushing the Penticton Barebones Duathlon last weekend. And finally, FitSpeak would like to give a shout out to Ron Lowen and Fit Foundation Run Crew who are hosting a free drop-in running clinic over in Walnut Grove at the park there. So that's it this time and remember to like us on Facebook and if you know someone who's doing great things in fitness, wellness and endurance sports, leave us a comment on our Facebook page or hit us up on Instagram. There's a lot of ways you could describe Abbotsford's Vince D'Amato. Web developer, entrepreneur, pro soccer player, dad, singer, social activist, elite triathlete. In his 50 years on the planet, Vince has done many, many things. And in this FitSpeak series, we'll get a chance to learn about this multifaceted guy. In our fourth installment, Vince tells us about how he got good at the sport of triathlon and how he trained for and suffered through his first Ironman. This is Vince Speaks. It wasn't as big a shot to my ego as you might think, because I knew that if I had spent four hours a day for the last 15 years training in soccer, that there were guys there that had been doing the same for triathlon. And, and even though the sport was young enough where that might not be completely true, I knew that a guy like Mark Allen, um, who was running a 240 marathon and a you know, and, and uh, uh, had been doing this for a decade, was, I was not going to compete with this guy. Um, but the other thing that jangled around in my head is I knew this was a sport that I was going to enjoy, but I really did look at it as fun. Um, I still had the mindset that I was rehabbing for soccer. And it really took, I probably did 30 or 40 triathlons over the space of five or six years all for fun. It wasn't until I tried to make the comeback in soccer when even non-professional guys wouldn't have me on their team because of the liability factor. Mm -hmm. Not because of the skill factor or the capability. It's just 
you know, I, I carry you and uh, you end up on the bench with 20 weeks of injury, mm. uh, I lose a spot. I mean, you just, it, I just wasn't worth it to them. And so I, I was about 20, 21 at that time. And I, that was when my, my mindset changed from like, okay, so soccer is totally over. Probably at, right around that time, um, I stopped even touching a soccer ball. I, I think it was a decade went by before I touched a soccer ball again. Um, and, and it's really because you can't go back to beer leagues. It's, it's, it's very dangerous, number one. But Explain that. Why? Why is that dangerous? Well, there's two ways to get hurt in soccer. Okay. And that's to play with people underskilled uh-huh. or to play with people overskilled. Mm. So if you're underskilled, it's an accident. People will hurt you because they don't really know what they're doing. So, but if, if you're playing with a highly skilled group, then they can hurt you because they want to. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and so that's the liability factor too, mm. is, is um, you know, as you climb the ranks, if you kind of have to be liked in the professional world. Everybody's got to like you a little bit because they can easily get rid of you if they want to. Mm. You know, um, for the Canadians listening out there, uh, uh, you know how some top players uh, get concussions more often than others. Mm. Um, it's pretty easy to concuss a guy if you don't like him. Huh. <laughs> you know, it's uh, mm. you, uh, you can just take runs at him all day. Mm. And... Um, in junior soccer, coaches would send out guys to come and get me. You, they wouldn't even be subtle about it. It was, you know, go go get that guy. So, you know, you got to be kind of lucky to survive all that. And, uh, but my mind, you know, my mindset was, you know, um, uh, it, I had to kind of move on a little bit. Uh, it, the, the morning period was over at the ripe age of twenty-one. Twenty-one, yeah. Mm. And uh, so my mindset changed, and I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to this new sport. I've got some experience. And so I thought, you know what that means? Time for an Ironman. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't a lot of uh, half Ironmans as kind of a, a transition, right? I mean, there was this, you know, they call them standard distance. Now we've referred to them as Olympic distance. Um, and then, wham, Ironman. So oh, yeah. how many years yeah. were you into the sport when you made that pretty big jump? Well, I think I was um, at least five, uh, probably six years when I decided to do the Ironman. So it's not like 18 months into the sport, like some people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if anybody would ever ask for my advice, um, the the best advice is is to explain the example of what a nice progression through the Olympic world. And then also like race experience is incredibly important. You know, by the time, even though I wasn't serious about triathlon until I decided to do an Ironman, I was keenly aware of my body. You know, I, I was as a soccer player. I, knew, I could tell you, you know, what I had, had drunk two days before, what, 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 you know. Um, but the triathlon, after doing 30, 40, 50 races, before I decided to do an Ironman, I had everything worked out. Transitions, nutrition, sleeping patterns, everything was worked out for an Olympic. And then I did a bunch of marathons. I probably had 10 marathons under my belt. Um, before I decided to do an Ironman as well, because then I knew exactly what that pounding was going to feel mm. like. I knew what was going to happen at the wall and what I needed nutrition-wise and all those different things. And so I could bu- really build up a case for um, a good attempt at an Ironman. And and I've never been one to approach anything with just the idea that I'm, I just want to finish. I'm not a finisher. 
you know, I, I fall into that category where my, whether it's, you can call it ego, mm. narcissism. That 5%. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mm. just, I wanted to at least compete with myself. I mm. wanted to set a goal. And, you know, there's that old adage about three goals. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the one you're happy with, the one you really want, and the one you'll never get, but you want to try anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I, I probably only ever set one goal, and that's the one that was maybe slightly unattainable. Uh, but I, I always had that mindset that, that you should rise to the occasion. If, if it's a special event for you, you should rise to the occasion. And so I, I set a goal, my first one, where I wanted to... Uh, to break 11 hours. And, um, and I, uh, <clears throat> to put that in a little bit of context, I was, I had run a sub three hour marathon. So I thought I had a good building block there. And then I went out and the next thing I did is I, I did what I wouldn't recommend newbies do either. And that is I spent an ungodly amount of money on a bicycle, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thinking that that was going to, uh, do it for me. Um, uh, and, and then committed myself to the training and I, and I didn't, and I committed two years. So, so a, a reasonable expectation with a reasonable buildup. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and progressed wonderfully. And in fact, uh, um, uh, it couldn't have gone more perfect. Now, I've got to admit, I had the time. I'm a university student. I'm waiting on tables and I had a lot of free time. So I, I could get the training in. And so I'm living in lucky. Burnaby or close to Burnaby at this time? Uh, I wasn't actually. Believe it or not, I was living in Abbotsford. Wow. And I was commuting to SFU. Ooh, okay, so that's not as much time as some people might assume. Well, so if you wind the clock back uh, on our roadways to the early 90s, um, you could drive from Abbotsford to SFU in 35 minutes. <laughs> you know, people would complain that was there was no rush hour. Hmm. Um, you know, on the least busy time on the Portman Bridge today, you f- you feel like it's wide open. That's what the old Portman Bridge was like in the early hmm. 90s. There was um, there was a quarter of the population in this hmm. province in those days. So, so it was uh, it was, and I worked halfway in between, so it kind of worked out. So. Um, so it was a good, good. And, and that's how my parents could help me out through the university. Uh, my university life was they, they couldn't help me monetarily, but I could live at home. Mm. So it wasn't the most ideal, but it was, it worked and, uh, and I took advantage of that. So, so training for the Ironman, um, a big commitment. And how did that race day go for you? And what year was that? Because that kind of gives our listeners a bit of context as far as the technology or fellow competitors and whatnot yeah well it was 1992 and um uh it was a very good race day for me except i uh um this is going to sound a bit like a pity story um but i'm out for a run about a month before the event and um i'm uh, uh feeling totally ready for this event a month out i'm i'm basically putting the fine touches on the training and um i just happened to have one of those days where there's a mother and a small child walking towards me down the sidewalk and just as we get to them the child darts out from behind the mother and and I try to miss the child and I step off the curb and I twist my ankle mm-hmm. so <clears throat> for a regular person, was it a catastrophe well it was a near catastrophe because I ended up on crutches for three weeks wow. and and, and I have the greatest physiotherapy in the, physiotherapist in the world. And I'll, I'll plug him a bit because he's here in Abbotsford. Please do. His, his name is Greg Bay. 
and um, he is with Sport and Spine uh, Rehab Center, but he is also still the current Canadian national soccer team physiotherapist. So of my seven ankle injuries... So he's injuries, not going to have time for me. Not No, uh, even <laughs> me, once every six weeks yeah. is all I get out of mm. him. Uh, but he's fantastic. And, um, and if you've got anything l- lower body, the guy is a genius. And that's what his life is uh, with the Canadian national soccer team. So... So uh, I would recommend him, but he he worked me like crazy. And um, uh, about a week before the event, I got off the crutches. About four days before race day, I ran 800 meters on the track. And then uh, Greg sent me up there with some advice. Um, But I still, uh, mentally, I said to myself, you know, that's horrible, but you can, this is still an event you can do. Even if you've got to walk it in, let's, let's do it. And so I still had goals in each of the uh, disciplines. I had a swim goal and a bike goal. Well, that's one of the nice things about triathlon. I mean, if you do run into some issues along the way, there's there's two personal bests you can bag, and it sounds like you had a pretty realistic game plan of. And how did that turn out? Well, I was I was actually bang on. I was a little fat, a little faster in the swim. I um I had a 56 minute swim. My goodness. <laughs> um, which you know I um a lot of people would maybe love that as a mm. swim. Um, I just wanted to be under an hour mm. and uh, had a good day. Um, and then on the bike, I really wanted to be controlled. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to to leave it on the road there to waste all your energy on the road and. And in those days, we didn't have power meters. You know, we had a heart rate monitor and a watch. That mm-hmm. was all you got. And um, and so I tried to work all the numbers out in advance. And I, I wanted to have a six-hour bike ride. And so all along the way, I'm metering that against my heart rate and my effort and the speed and the time. And for the folks who are listening, um, it's a 180-kilometer bike ride. Yeah, okay. it's not a, not a quickie. So uh, so 30K per hour, there you go. Yeah, which is pretty ambitious. I think a lot of people would find that pretty ambitious. There's some uphills on that course. Yeah, some good <laughs> hills. <laughs> Richter Pass, Yellow Lake. Yeah. Uh, uh, but beautiful. Um, it is a beautiful course. I I, uh, I enjoyed it. And and I was six hours and three minutes. So <laughs> I, I felt like I knew Know thyself. That. <clears throat> know thyself. And um, so now what was left was the marathon. And... Um, so it's a, I, I'm going out on the run around seven hours. And so for a guy that had run a sub three hour and I wanted to break 11, I, I basically had around four hours to run a marathon uh, if I was not, didn't have an injury. Um, so I thought, I thought I'd made it very realistic for myself. You know, I, I wasn't forcing myself to run a three and a half hour or a 315 marathon in order to make, make my goal. I had to give myself a bit of a buffer. Mm-hmm. But with the ankle injury, I really managed to run about 15k and then was forced into walking how was that 15k of running pretty brisk yeah well the first 10k was great mm-hmm. um you know i was running i probably ran that first 10k um at a probably a 315 320 marathon pace mm-hmm. it was a sub 45 minute 10k uh, which you know e- even in um, subsequent ironmans that, that's a pace that i look for to to stay within myself, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could run a th- uh, some pretty fast sub 40 minute 10 Ks. I, my, my PB in those days was 35 and a half. 35 and a half. Okay. So that's going to translate to, yeah. I mean, if you're capable of that, I mean, a, a 330 is very reasonable. Yeah. Mm. I, I thought it was something to, you know, they always say in those days, they would say race within yourself. Uh, and, and that was our way of keeping your heart rate low mm. and your, you know, and, and, uh, your, your RPE was a big thing. Your, your relative perceived exertion was mm. how everybody metered their effort in those days. 
Um, but it, then, but then, you know, after 10 K I started to get pain and at 15 K it was, it was impossible to continue. So I, I walked it out and I ended up with a, and I'm, I'm having a little bit of a brain cramp, whether it was a 1252 or a 1256, but it was a, a sub 13, mm-hmm. uh, Ironman, uh, by the time I walked out 25 K of the marathon finished in uh, the daylight, finished it, finished in the daylight. It was, uh, you, you know, just, uh. Uh, it was twilight, that's for sure. But mm. as, um, as I got back into close to town, mm. uh, into Penticton proper there, uh, the, the crowds are fantastic. Yeah. The fans there, the people are out all night. They're just wonderful. And, you know, and I was obviously not in good shape. Uh, I think it's harder to walk a marathon than it is to run it. To, <laughs> you know, to walk from 15K mm. is really wears on you. <laughs> um, I, I mean, a, a lot of people will disagree with that. But for me, anyway, um, after running a lot of marathons, it was harder to walk one. And I wasn't looking good and I wasn't very happy. And uh, a woman, random woman on the side of the road started to walk with me and walked for <laughs> maybe a kilometer with me. N- never asked my name. Never, you know, she asked my name. I never found out hers or at least wedding proposals. Uh, no, she was just, you know, just trying to cheer me up. Okay. She just walked and she said, I, you know, I should maybe turn back and go home now. And mm. I was like, well, thank you for <laughs> And I felt better. I, yeah. You know, the next 2K mm. were fantastic. Huh. And, you know, um, just, just an awesome experience. And, and I certainly understand why people uh, will do an Ironman for the experience, as opposed to being the competitive nut job that I, mm. uh, you know, always, you know, strive to be, because it truly is a, a uh, once in a lifetime, never forget, always have the memory experience. And here's your Fitspeak 36 upcoming event schedule. You know, you've spent all those hours sweating away on the trainer in the dark season, and now it's time to harvest that fitness. Here's your chance, the sixth edition of the Fraser Valley Grand Fondo. As always, there's three distances, a 50, a 100, and a 160-kilometer event. Pick your distance, whip out that credit card, and head over to valleygrandfondo.com to sign up. Over in Abbotsford at the rec center there, they have a program for building strength and balance. It's called Bones and Balance. It's held on Friday mornings at 10.30. If you're looking to build up that core or to regain rather that long gone range of motion in your shoulders, in your hips, or in some other places, check it out. Type in Bones and Balance and then City of Abbotsford. That will take you to the site for more information. If you're one of those folks who likes to sign up for things way in advance, here's one for you. It's the second annual Mission Half Marathon. The race is held entirely off-road on the race course at the Mission Speedway. That means no kills and no getting lost. It's on October 27th. By the way, that's a Saturday. Google Mission Half Marathon to sign up for that one. And finally, if you're one of those last-minute folks, you have a bit of time to still sign up for the 16th Annual Try It Triathlon in Langley. The race is on Sunday, June 12th. And if you're one of those folks who's afraid to swim in a lake, no worries. This is a pool swim. There's a bunch of different age categories. If you can't do all three, just find some friends, sign up for the relay. How much does that cost? That I will leave up to you to find out. Go to the City of Langley's website and search for the Try It Triathlon. 
Finally, just a reminder, if you have an event, whether it's a race, a clinic, a new fitness group, we want to hear about it. Leave us a comment on our FitSpeak homepage and we will be in touch with you. And that's your upcoming event schedule. Hey gang, we are sitting down with Mr. Matt Campbell, race director for the United Velo Cycling Club based out of Langley. Uh, we're quite pleased that he was able to call up and um, have a chat with us this evening. How you doing tonight, Matt? I am doing great. I just got back from a ride and... Uh beautiful weather out there this time of year so so happy to be able to talk to you guys so you had a ride tonight uh how many people were you riding with uh tonight was uh, one of those nights where we had about 10 riders out on one of our united velo wednesday night rides we're trying to revive our, our wednesday night rides which uh kind of have gone a bit by the wayside over the years but we said you know we got lots of new members into the club this year and uh let's get the wednesday night ride going united velo is Growing quickly, how many people have you uh, got registered and how many people are showing up now on the Saturday rides? Yeah, perfect. Uh, well, last night we had uh, another member sign up. That was our 98th member um, sign up, which is awesome. So we're only two away from breaking the big uh, 100, um, which is pretty cool because the club's only been around for a couple of years. And uh, even last year, I think we only had about 55 or 60 members. So we've almost doubled that already. And uh, we still got lots of riding season left and lots of people who are planning on joining the club. Our Saturday rides, as you asked about, is kind of our premier ride um, where we kind of say, hey, you know, club members, let's go out and ride. And uh, two Saturdays ago, we had uh, 50 people come out and ride, which is pretty am amazing when you can get half your club to come out and ride on a single ride. Um, and uh, to be able to do that, uh, not all 50 people ride all in one group, but we end up breaking it into three different groups. Um, our, kind of our new-to-group riding group that rides uh, kind of in the 20K to 25K an hour. And then we have our two uh, faster groups, one that goes about 30 to 35, and then one that just goes as fast as people to go, can go, and they're going 40, 42 sometimes. So uh, kind of a wide range of riders, but we got a place for everybody. Actually start the ride right in Cloverdale. And uh, the reason we started in Cloverdale, it is kind of the center of the universe for the south of the Fraser. So people from Wally, people from South Surrey, people from Fleetwood, Langley, uh, Walnut Grove, um, Delta, they can all get there in about a half an hour uh, bike ride. And then uh, we even get some people that come out uh, from Vancouver and across the bridges now, they just jump on the highway, um, put their bike in their car, uh, and they're there in 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and uh, then they leave from Cloverdale with us. We ride up from Cloverdale, and at the Golden Ears Bridge, um, we meet a bunch of people who come south over from Maple Ridge, and then we loop out through Fort Langley, Glen Valley, um, down through Alder Grove, have coffee there, and then loop all the way back. So it's about a 80K ride or so if you do the complete loop, um, and our, our beginner group kind of goes about 50K, um, a little bit shorter, and uh, they stay up in the Glen Valley and uh, Fort Langley area. Now that the uh, race season is upon us, how about you tell us uh, what you, as the race director and United Velo, have been up to? Yeah, so 
last year was our first uh, foray into hosting races, and we partnered up with the BC Masters Association and put on five races in the uh, Glen Valley and Abbotsford area. Um, had an awesome time last year doing it, and uh, we said, hey, it was so much fun, let's do it again this year. So we just had our first race this past Saturday, and uh, really, really fun out there. It was um in the Glen Valley, uh, down around uh, River Road, Lefevre, and uh, Marsh McCormick, um, all all down uh, towards uh, the Abbotsford-Langley border there. We had 54 people come out and race, um, which was a record number for us, and uh, people in from Vancouver, people in from Chilliwack, uh, and all over the area coming to race. Tons and tons of fun, and uh, people loved it. That's uh, pretty impressive. Now, for the people who are wondering where Glen Valley is, Glen Valley is actually right next to Fort Langley, and Fort Langley is only a few minutes away from the freeway, so it's super, super accessible. And the great thing is it's nestled in uh, next to the river, into the valleys, and there's no traffic. And this is why, I believe, uh, Matt is hosting the races there because it's safe and it's a, it's a perfect race environment to um, foster any racers there. Exactly, exactly. This is really, this is what we call grassroots racing. We really, really want to make this uh, racing fun and affordable and safe for uh, people who are new, but also for people who are experienced and uh, people who just want to come out and have a lot of fun and uh, just enjoy themselves um, without having to spend a lot of money and be, you know, real, real serious about it. Um, People can kind of, you know, come at any ability and try out these races or kind of grow into them. And uh, you touched on affordability. So uh, what would an entry fee cost? If you are not a club member, it is $25. And if you're a club member, we give you a $5 discount down to $20. So uh, very, very affordable for racing when uh, you look at uh, some of the the big races around here, which um, I love supporting and uh, think are great. But because of uh, their size and their uh, and what they do, they end up having to charge sixty and seventy dollars um, for a race. Um, so if you've never tried racing before, you don't really want to, you know, pop down seventy bucks for a first time race and uh, get dropped after one lap. Um, versus you can come to our our race, and if you get dropped after one lap, you know, it was only twenty five bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And your races, they're sponsored, isn't that isn't that correct? which help us put them on and uh, we've just found some other ways to uh, to make these very affordable by using uh, more and more volunteers and uh, we, we got great people who volunteer their time and that really helps us uh, keep the cost down. If people are looking to find out more information on your races, United Velos Racing, uh, where can they find it? So we have a uh, wonderful website at uh, unitedvelo.ca And under the venue there, just look at the uh, BC Masters races. And uh, we got a whole page on uh, the dates, the price, um, the type of race license and insurance that you need to have. Um, If if you don't have a a BC cycling insurance uh, license, um, you can pay a $10 day of uh, fee. And... uh, that, that'll uh, that'll suffice for the for the race and uh, gives all the race rules and during the races and uh, everything that you will expect to see when you're out there. Excellent. Now, offhand, do you remember the dates of your races and where they'll be held? Yeah. So our next race. 
race is uh, coming up in just a couple of weeks on June 9th, and that one is going to be down in South Langley around uh, Zero Avenue and uh, 256. Uh, so brand new course for this year. Um, we've added a, 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 what uh, I would call hills. Um, if you're a true climber, it's not really hills. Um, and if you're scared of hills, it's still not really hills. But, you know, if you're a little out of shape and a little overweight like I am, then, uh, yeah, you will feel the, uh, the uphill motion when you're going on this course. But uh, not much traffic down there. We just uh, rode there tonight and uh, great corners and just a little tiny roller here and there, which will add a lot of excitement in the race. That's good to know. So just to recap for all the people who are listening and are interested in checking out or trying some new uh, racing in the area, uh, you can go to www.unitedvelo.ca or you can check out United Velo on Facebook. I believe United Velo is on Instagram. I don't know if you tweet. Oh, and uh, what do you need? You need a cycling, uh, BC, or cycling BC license? Yeah, if you're a, club, if you're a member of a uh, BC uh um, cycling club, then uh, just bring that uh, that license that you membership that you got there, and that that covers your insurance part of it. And then there's a twenty five dollar entry fee. If you are not a member of Cycling BC, then you can do a ten dollar day of uh, license, um, and then pay the twenty five dollar uh, fee on top of that. So it'll be thirty five dollars if you've never paid anything to Cycling BC. Thirty five bucks, and uh, you can try your first race with us. It's so affordable. I can't believe it. It's, I don't know. It's just an amazing deal. Um, well, we want to thank you for uh, calling in to the FitSpeak headquarters mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> helping us out with some extra great content. Hey, anytime. Love connecting with you guys. This is the uh, second or third time that I've done it. And uh, love your, uh, your podcast and uh, what you're doing here for the, uh, the Valley. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak the Fraser Valley's only wellness, fitness, and insurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wentings in Mission. Your Wentings word of the week is Shimano. FitSpeak also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Take your first step to the finish line by starting with TriJoy. See the link at the bottom of this page to get in touch and to get going. Join us next time when we'll be featuring an interview with local triathlete Dwayne Foley. Kevin Watt will be back for social media shoutouts. Vince D'Amano returns for segment five of Vince Speaks. And Zach Newfeld explores the connection between the mind and the body in between the ears. For all of us here at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.